0: The people of Israel are suffering for the sins they have committed. On their behalf, the prophet pleads that God will be merciful to his children. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and calm down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: The Psalm for today is Psalm 80. Please stand and join us in singing Psalm 80 together. <laughs>
2: We shall be saved, O Lord of hosts. How long will you be angered despite our prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink the derision of our neighbors, and our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of host. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Let's build Son of man, you have made you strong for yourself, and you will be never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Please be seated.
1: Paul gives thanks for his new disciples who have received many spiritual gifts. He encourages them to remain faithful as they await the Lord's coming. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched by him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God.
3: The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly." And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Jesus says about that day and about that hour, no one knows, neither the Son, the angels, nor the Son, just the Father. All we needed in there was, beware lest it catch you like a thief in the night. Um, I woke up this morning and looked out my window, and there was snow. Winter is here. Advent is here. Oh, my gosh. And I remembered, um, as I was coming into church, that I had not taken the Advent wreath down from its chain over here and set it on. It's like, oh my gosh, here it is, one Advent. It caught me like a thief in the night. Both of these readings, the Old Testament and the Gospel, make a lot of sense on the lips of people who have run out of options. They don't make a lot of sense on the lips of people who have options. Isaiah is looking at Jerusalem being besieged for the first time, not the last, obviously, um, and the people of Israel about to be carried away into exile, wondering where God is. Would that you would tear the heavens and come down. Remember those marvelous things you did of old. Do them again now. And hopes for that day when God will intervene in history And set things to rights. Mark and his community are watching Jerusalem besieged yet again, this time by the Romans. And the Romans carried no one away into exile. They just simply leveled the city. And he and his community are despairing. We thought Jesus was coming. Um, Now that these things have happened, it must be quick. There are no options for us And so we will wait for that day when the Son of Man comes in the clouds of glory and gathers up his people from the four ends of the earth because we are simply out of options. It's a very seductive way of thinking. God will come and set things to rights, and so in the meantime, we have no responsibilities at all. Um, Do you remember James Watt? He was um, Ronald Reagan's interior minister. Uh, Secretary of the Interior. And he was being asked about acid rain and and global warming and sort of using up resources. And he said, yeah, that was true. You know, if, if the science was true, well, that was okay, because it would bring about the end of the world sooner. And there are people who think like that, people who think that global warming will bring about the last day, so it's a good thing. Because They hope for that end of time to come. But that kind of language does not make sense on the lips of people who have options. We are not out of options. At convention, the bishop gave an address last weekend in which he talked about persistent decline in the Episcopal Church. He said something like, and I don't have the exact figures in front of me, that over the last 10 years, the Episcopal Church has declined something like 14%. Um, The Diocese of Missouri has only declined 1% or 2%, and that makes us the fourth best diocese in the nation, um, but it's still declined. It would be very easy for us to wring our hands and say, oh, that God would do those great things that God did in the past. Remember the 1950s when the Sunday schools were full? Oh, that God would do those things again. But we're not out of options. Jesus says in the story, it's like a man going on a journey... Who leaves his slaves in charge and happy that slave doing what his master had set him to do. We've just finished up six weeks of reading Unbinding the Gospel talking, or Unbinding Your Heart talking about evangelism, about faith sharing. We've done the small groups and I've been in four of those small groups. It's been wonderful. I've learned things about people I've known for 15 years that I didn't know before about them, the way that they experience God and what, what it means for them to be Christian. So we're learning a little bit about evangelism, a little bit about inviting folks to share what we've got. But I had to laugh. Thursday, we had the, um, the uh, Thanksgiving dinner here at church. We had 30 people, it was wonderful. And we had put it on the sign out front here and, and invited folks from the neighborhood. We actually had a couple call up. Um, they wanted to know what it was like. I think they were worried that we were gonna be feeding the poor and they wouldn't you know, fit in. And I said, no, it's just for folks, the onesies and twosies who have no place to go. Well, that sounds like us, we'll be there. So they came and, and joined us, our neighbors, and as we were cleaning up afterwards, several of us looked at each other and said, did anybody ask them if they had a church? <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, you know, here was an opportunity to to be welcoming, to be inviting, and gosh, we're just, the learning curve is, is too steep, we haven't got there yet. But we're not out of options. There are things that we can do. Um, The Wednesday night choir group, prayer group, and talking about what they could do, what the next steps are, has come up with this flyer. Um, It says, Hello, neighbor. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. In the upcoming year, we have something of value to offer you and your family. Worship in a way that allows children to be children and adults to be themselves. They've made 400 copies of this. Um, There are many copies sitting in the parish hall with ribbon, um, at coffee hour, we're going to ask you to roll those up and tie them with ribbon. And next Sunday, we're going to set out maps with little, of the neighborhood with little highlighters, and we're going to ask people to just go and hang a few on, a, on the door. Um, we've never done anything like this. We've been in this neighborhood 50 years, and I don't think we've ever gone and put door hangers out there to invite folks um, to come in. This is the season of Advent. Advent means arrival. We look for the arrival of God in the future, but we are a parish that takes our name from arrival now. This is our festal day. It means that we expect God to show up now, not just in the future, so that we can be doing things rather than simply wringing our hands and waiting passively for God to take care of it out there in the future. I think... The difference between hope and fear is just what it is you do in the present. The future is going to be the future, whatever it is. And if we're hopeful, we set about to bring that to to pass. If we're fearful, we wait for it to happen to us. We can bring our hands and say, oh, persistent decline, the Episcopal Church is in bad shape. Or we can look to the future with hope and say, God will meet us there, whatever it is. And in the meantime, be about anticipating it right now. We have some things that we can do. We're not people out of options. We're not going to say, oh, God should come and do what God did in the past. We can look forward to the future with hope. Amen.